Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. Marcus Waring is a prize-winning chef, restaurateur, TV presenter and cookery book writer who gained his first Michelin star at the age of just 26. In 1993, he joined Gordon Ramsay at Aubergine, creating one of the most celebrated London restaurants of the time. He went on to launch a number of Michelin star-winning restaurants and now runs uh, the group in London founded with his wife, Jane. Now he's taken time out from his duties as restaurateur and master chef judge to create his very own kitchen garden. You can watch it all unfold in the new BBC Two series, Marcus Waring's Tales from a Kitchen Garden. We began talking about what inspired the new series and his small holding in Sussex when we spoke earlier in the week. We've had a place down there for about four and a half years now. My wife and I found a, we were actually looking for a second house, something small, so we could spend some time out of London. Uh, and we happened to find a, a little bit of property that had a kitchen garden with it. And it was uh, sort of a bit of a eureka moment. But the daffodil, strange enough, was the one flower that was popping up out of my garden uh, at the beginning of the pandemic two, two, two years ago now. And I remember I used to get up when we'd just been locked in by Boris for our first, first lockdown. And I used to stare out of the window and all I could see was grey, wet wind. But the daffodils were up and they were sort of the shining sort of sunshine in the garden that shone a bit of light on what was a pretty pretty tough, miserable time for, for everybody. Uh, and 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 they were the same. It was the same at Melfort, and it was just a, a sort of a a point where I thought that really helped me get through certain things. That little bit of colour, that little thing, no matter what's going on in the world, that pushes itself through the soil uh, and brings some sunshine into the garden. To be honest, it's it's what I'm clinging to at the moment in what are rather <laughs> bleak times. The daffodils have come up, and I think ah, oh, one sign of something positive. And in fact, we've been asking um, our listeners to send in. Um, you know, the things that are giving them solace at the moment. And I can tell you yeah. there's been quite a few shots of green fields, of dogs on sofas, and also of daffodils. Um, yeah. Now, your kitchen garden on, on this small holding in, in Sussex looks utterly idyllic. A multitude of vegetable patches, an orchard, cows and, and sheep grazing. How much of it uh, was in place uh, when you bought uh, the house? And how much have you had to work to create it? It's a lot. It's been sort of a labour of love, part-time sort of thing, but I do have a gardener there. So basically you've got uh, the kitchen garden that beehives the orchard, so to paint the picture, and then 65 acres of land, of which when you buy a piece of property and you're not a farmer yourself, what you do is you lease it out to the, to the farmer. And so there's, there was a farmer on site when I, when I, when I bought the place, and so I carried on the, him you know, being there. So he has his cattle and his sheep on there, but they're very much his. And he takes care of everything, nothing to do with me. Uh, and the kitchen garden at that particular time was completely overgrown. There wasn't really much going on. The gardener was taking care of, care of various bits and bobs. And I, one, I remember Anatoly, who's in the show, goes away for an Easter holiday. He's with his, with his family and for about 10 days. My brother popped down from, from Southport and uh, I decided to uh, hack away at this kitchen garden that had not really had much love to it. And I stripped it right back over this sort of six, seven day period uh, and saw this blank canvas. And it was at that moment that I decided that I want to really bring it to life. I never thought about growing food or doing anything with the orchard. Even though I was a restaurateur, I hadn't connected the two together. It was quite bizarre. And so the show was born out of 
my lack of going around suppliers and understanding farming through my years, 34 years, 35 years in the kitchen. I never really went to see the supply chain and I was never interested in going to a farm or a market. I just picked up the phone, got what I wanted from where I wanted it from, and it arrived at the kitchen door. And then a sort of this, this sort of idea grew out of there. And it's, it sounds really odd coming from a chef in my position that I seem to have completely missed one massive part of my industry, which is the supply chain. And that's where it came from. It's so interesting you say that because I think it's it's a disconnect that's reflected, you know, across our society these days, you know, and, and, yeah. and in a way it, it, it only sounds surprising when you highlight it the rest of the time. We probably wouldn't expect you to have a hands-on understanding of, of, of the actual basic ingredients no. that, that come into your kitchen. I wondered how much if at all it's changed your cooking now that you have that relationship with 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 the seasons with what grows with what flourishes and and so on i think i think the relationship i i say on the show that i want this journey to make me a better cook look you know i didn't do this because i wanted to make a tv show i did it because i want to improve people's lifestyle i want to improve me as a chef I want to be able to use the experience in the garden as a, as a, as a positive mindset in what has been a really tough time for, for everybody. And I've seen it on TV through lockdown. I think one of the most exciting shows I watched on during any of the lockdowns was Monty Don putting his, his gardening show together and envious of that he, he could do that. And he inspired me along with, along with Mother Nature itself. But as a professional chef, I, I, I focus on what I do in my, in my professional kitchen and I'm very much in tune with that and that's who that's what I do when it comes to the home cooking during lockdown I started to venture into more detailed cookery and I started to you know in lockdown with the family you thought well let's have a Chinese night let's have an Indian night let's have a French night let's let's cook different food so we got more into cookery at home because in my normal life in our normal lives we never really had the time to think about home cookery because we just went we did our normal thing, we went to work and busy, busy, busy and cook the normal things. And so for me, it was a bit of a, a point where actually cooking at home, really interesting and great fun. And it sort of stemmed from there, showing me that, that I could spend more time cooking at home. But cooking from your garden, and you see in the show, I'm cooking outside on a beautiful big, big fire with wood and charcoal. It's changed the way I cook for, from a home point of view. And I bring little snippets of it into my professional kitchen too. But I also believe that you must never, ever think you're too old to learn or to master certain areas of your, of, of your own industry or what you do. And that's what really, really inspired me. And it sort of hopefully will help complete the circle of my knowledge, albeit it's going to be an incredibly long journey because it's very complex farming and gardening. Yeah, well, as as we're discussing, Jeremy Clarkson's discovering. And uh, <laughs> inter interestingly, I, I spoke uh, recently to Charlene Spateri and, and I was saying to her how envious I was that she'd been locked down yeah. with the chef. And she said, don't be deluded. It's not all it's it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I, I wonder if we have this sense that, you know, a restaurateur means that you're constantly at home whipping up, you know, little treats for your family. And that actually that's a sort of misnomer in a way that, that cooking uh, becomes very very much a business thing and 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 you don't tell me you go home and, and normally obviously before your kitchen garden and and your connection with the land you know order a takeaway no no i think it's interesting the clarkson uh analogy is that he he's in a different world and so am i um he runs his farm from a business trying to show us how can you how hard farming is but can you make any money from it 
Mine is pure pleasure and enjoyment and sharing of produce and trying to understand the local community and trying to also find out what makes our suppliers so so interesting and so different. And I've, I've started to realise that there are some amazing small artisan suppliers. So the show was about finding the best rare breed pig, the type of cow that I enjoy or the chickens or the ducks, plus also growing certain things. And um, trust me, being in lockdown with a chef, I guarantee you, is better than not. So you will always eat better. If a chef is locked in his house, trust me, he will start cooking or she will start cooking some great food. My family loved it. <laughs> I know you say it's it's different, you know, to the to the restaurant business, but I wonder, you know, in light of, you know, the situation with global warming and, and our mm. whole sort of reassessment of how we deal with 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 land, with our connection to the land, with yeah. our connection to the ingredients in our food. Uh, whether you feel that there is a, a time now where we, we do need to slightly revolutionise the way uh, we've approached things. And obviously that's going to uh, fall first in, in, in terms of food on the shoulders of people like you with, with these amazing restaurants, but, but, but where there has been perhaps a sort of disconnect. You know, you expect when we go to a Michelin-starred restaurant to get yeah. whatever it is we want, whenever we want it, uh, nothing, you know, irregardless of season or how far it's flown yeah. or, or any yeah. of those things. <clears throat> Well, that's changed. Chefs are really thinking differently now. We don't want air miles. We don't want to buy out of season. And I think the garden and growing has become a massive part of fine dining and good, good restauranting, seasonality without a doubt. But the, it, for, from my point of view, they've asked me two years ago, I'm going to have a vegan night or a vegetarian night at home, or I'm not going to have meat for two or three days. Well, that's what we're doing now. And I'm really enjoying that. I never thought I'd ever say that or do that because I just took it for granted. But as, as, as you're right, as you look at the globe, if you look at what we're doing, the message is it's a little bit like a diet. For me, a good diet is everything in moderation with a little bit of fitness and a little bit of health and well-being should help you along your way. And I think food is the same. So what I'm trying to do is encourage people to Go and get a packet of seeds or go and buy a herb plant and just plant it in your garden or plant it in your window box. Just one item, one thing that's yours that you've grown could, the begin, could be the beginning of a really interesting journey that you may get the bug for down the line in your life. And think about what you're buying. Think about the supermarkets. Don't buy Kenyan beans. Don't buy anything that's got massive food miles in if you can. I know money, uh, food's expensive and I know times are tough. But these are just small little things that I want people to try and think about and do. And if I'm, if I'm, if I'm sort of flying the flag for, for, for better food, for better growing and, you know, global warming and helping. Yeah, why not? It's, you know, the more the merrier. It's not just about space as well, is it? I mean, I, I, no. I know that, you know, there's lots of people out there who, who don't have gardens, who live in cities and, and don't have uh, space. When I uh, was a, a sort of young singleton in London, I had this tiny little patch about sort of three square feet, I think, um, uh, on top of the roof of, of, of the building my flat was in. And um, I had a herb garden there and it yeah. brought me so much pleasure. And, and, you know, in every other way, my lifestyle was absolutely nothing to do with, with growing anything. But I mean, you can do that even with window boxes, can't you? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I bet that three foot space was heaven for you, wasn't it? I bet it was a place that you just thought was the best space and how I also imagine that I, I'm, I've been in the same boat as you, how lucky you felt to have that small amount of space. And of course, as you get older, you work longer, you get the opportunity to buy something a little bit bigger because age gives you that opportunity. 
you, you reflect back on those times with that window box, that small space, and you just, you just remind yourself of how lucky you are. And I think we've all got a little bit of space, and that could just be a plant pot with some good soil in, some good compost, a couple of seeds or a little plant, grow it on the window ledge. It's better than nothing. And if you have even like a little, little rosemary plant and you, you're cooking a spaghetti bolognese or you're doing a, a something, a roast dinner, you've got your lamb in the oven or a chicken, and you go and snip some of your own fresh rosemary, Trust me, just that little moment will just make you feel quite nice and it'll put a smile on your face and it'll make your chicken taste delicious. Marcus, you've mentioned lockdown quite a few times and it clearly was a a sort of pivotal moment for you in many ways. Can you tell me first how it felt uh, as a busy restaurateur, the the sort of downside of it, which I think was pretty immense when when it came to, you know, your experience? I'll never forget it. I don't think many people will forget it. It's a time in our lives. There'll be a point of history that'll be written about in many, many years to come about this pandemic and the way the world dealt with it. It was quite, quite unique in so many different ways. And the, the spirit of the NHS and the guidance and the, the difficulties that government go through that we all went through. But as a restaurateur and someone that's running at a thousand miles an hour where your industries i can't run my job from what i'm looking at right now which is my laptop i I have to be at the restaurant that was hard and i think that my industry i'm talking for my industry suffered a lot um and but we came back bouncing after the first lockdown with big smiles on our face faces and we really got back into it in a a positive way but the third the second and the third lockdown was a game changer because the third lockdown was over a four or five month period this time of the year last year and I saw a completely different look on people's faces when they came back to work. They were colder. They didn't have the smile. The sparkle in their eyes had gone. And it had taken its toll. So it took leadership from, from, from all different parts of our sector to, to really rally the troops and to try and get the industry back on its feet. And, and we're do, we've done that. I mean, it's, it's not over. We've still got a lot of work to do. We've still got a lot of people who are suffering mentally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did find it really tough. There was times where I would sit on my own late at night with a glass of wine at a ridiculous time of the night, just binge watch Peaky Blinders or something like that when my family had gone to bed and I'd look out the window and really, really worry about what we were going to do and how I was going to be able to put, you know, move forward with my family and my business because not only have I got a family to look after, I've also got the responsibility of a lot of people that, I, that, that work for me too. And you do have sleepless nights. It was tough, really tough. And how much did that impact on... I mean, did it make you reflect on how you'd lived your life to date? You know, I know a lot of people, you know, made all kinds of resolutions then, myself included. I, I, I can't say I've stuck to many of them. But but there was certainly a sense that, you know, life had been lived at a very fast pace. And, and suddenly, yeah. you know, along with the with, with the detrimental aspect of it, which was huge, you know, there was, mm. there was also a sense that maybe there was a slightly different way of, of living, a slightly different way of, of adjusting the pace with which yeah. you, I know your, your dad was was a really busy man you know working 16 hour days I wonder if at any point you sort of thought whoops you know I love my dad but I don't want to be like him it's very true that I I think there were times where you think you're reflecting on your life I think everyone had a reflection of where they what 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 they've been doing and where they come from um I for me it was it was it was it wasn't very easy at all and I always used to look out you know I live here in Wimbledon and I look at you know a nice house got a lovely garden and then I started to think about all the people that don't have that, who live in a block of flats, who've got children crawling over their shoulders when they're trying to do a Zoom call. You know, it, it's really tough. And so, so from my point of view, I had to come out of my house after lockdown and really get out there and be strong, be vocal, 
but also be be try to be a leader in a sector that 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 really needs support. And for me, it was really important to come out fighting. And how how is it that when you had I remember the first lockdown, and all, I try to remember all of them, but the first lockdown, you think, oh, I've got all this time off. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go running. I'm going to do weight training. I did hardly anything. I did some work jobs around the house. I didn't read any books at all. I watched a lot of TV. I ate too much food and I drank too much and I didn't do any fit fitness. What's that all about? That's because your mind is controlling what your body isn't doing. And it's fascinating that in our busy lives, we manage to do so much more than, than, than when we're locked in. And it, it, it's the most weird experience of my entire life that I, I got lazy when I had nothing to do. And I, I find that's quite strange. Yeah, I mean, I I, I totally uh, sound familiar. Totally agree. I totally agree. <laughs> it's very very familiar. But I think you know, for everyone, because it's like one of those things where where, where you go on holiday and you think, oh, how am I going to fill the days? Uh, you know, and suddenly your holiday's over. Or I mean, yeah. I've got a feeling that retirement might be like that. You know, I sort of go, oh, <laughs> I'm never going to retire. I like to be busy, busy, busy. But actually, you know, I see my my parents in law, for example. You know, they're, they're incredibly busy uh, in their mm. retirement. So I think it's all, but it's all relative isn't it to, to what your expectation of yourself is did it did it change the way I mean I know that you started out working with Gordon Ramsay we all know what Gordon Ramsay's like in the kitchen you know we've seen it enough times on our on our tv screens and, I, and, and I'm sure you probably learned patterns of behavior from him maybe you had them already <laughs> yourself it, it seems like the kitchen is a is a really ferocious place to work and there's a real sort of in a way, I mean, strangely, a, a real machismo about about the, the the atmosphere there. Has that changed um, since uh, since you've had this period of, of reflection and and entered the gardening world? The kitchen, the kitchens have changed over the last ten years, I'd say, because the, 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 when I was coming through the training program and I was uh, a chef de cuisine, the, the, there was one thing in front of me that's not there now, and it's a brick wall and two doors, which is which was you didn't get to see the clients. So the kitchen was a private space where your your energy and your ferocity or your frustrations were taken out into the kitchen and um, now that the walls have come down and kitchens are very much open spaces and the chefs have also started to use the science of food to make cookery more easy or better during the service process because the anger and frustration was only ever in the point of, of, of a hot frustrating service and and that's where it came from plus long hours tiredness and, and not enough food to eat as a chef because you're too busy working and so we've we've changed a lot already way before the pandemic for for myself personally um i have taken a reflection and and i do say in this show that i'm starting to look at this as an opportunity to slow down the program and melford is a toe in the water of a massive opportunity that's going to continue growing but slowing down to me for for me and slowing down for most people are two very very different things slowing down for me is the enjoyment of a 12 hour day in a garden that's what I enjoy. I can't slow down, um, but I've got more things going on in my life and I've become a better time manager than I've ever been. Um, and that's something I've really I've taken from the pandemic because I'm doing more with my restaurants and my businesses, but also outside than I've ever done before, because I started to I don't want to get back onto that old treadmill at a thousand miles an hour. I want to slightly slow down. And I think by slowing down, you actually do more, which is great. And do you think, in hindsight, that that, that was a, a, a pretty unhealthy um, sort of way of, 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 of running kitchens, um, you know, now? Uh, you know, it, it does feel like a different era altogether, doesn't it? 
don't think it was an unhealthy way. I think I think it it, it taught a lot of chefs real great fantastic discipline and great cookery skills. I think that the way kitchens are run today, I do question whether chefs are really learning the core value of an industry and the core value, the basic foundation of great cookery, which was taught back then. And I think because of social media, our phones, we can see every recipe, every photograph, whatever you want around the world, you've got it at your fingertips, but it doesn't necessarily make you a great cook. Being a good cook and being someone who really understands food is about being in a kitchen and experiencing food understanding that every box of tomato every plant everything that walks or comes into your kitchen is going to be different it's how you deal with it on a day-to-day basis and i think sometimes we follow the visual aspect of life more than actually the core value of what it is that we're there to do my philosophy and it came from my father is to really learn your trade learn it well build a fabulous foundation and you can build whatever you want on that foundation as long as it's rock solid my fear is that young chefs today are not really learning the foundation because Instagram, Twitter and TikTok are telling them their recipes. That's not how it works, in my opinion. But I do accept the modern world. I just don't want to work that way. I'd rather get out there, get my fingers into the soil, continue learning, but learning from the ground up, from the soil, rather than from my telephone and social media. That's the difference. You said that 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 you you learned from your from your father's example in a way, um, and I know that 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 your kids are teenagers now. Um, yeah. What do you think they're learning from your example, and do you think that you've learned? Uh, I mean, first of all, in terms of cookery, have you put them off, or have you no. um, excited that interest in them? All three, all three of my kids had a great time in lockdown, and all of them got better, became better chefs, better cooks. They were already good cooks already. Um, and their cookery improved because every now and again we gave them a task of they're going to be cooking the evening meal and we would we would work to we all we all ha- we always to hang out in the kitchen anyway as most families do i've not put them off i think i asked my my elder son jake who's at durham university at the moment i said i've often asked him will you come into the industry and he said he said there's a possibility he might but he won't he won't come into the industry the way i did um he, he if he ever ran restaurants he would run them as a restaurateur owner rather than a chef patron so I think the youth of today or my children will look at the job, you know, in a completely different way. Um, but I've certainly not put them off. But the core value that we have in our house is my, my father's, their, well, their grandfather's work ethic. And is that whatever you do, whatever lessons you're in, whatever university you go to, enjoy yourself, work hard and feel like you've achieved something when you leave. But I have one thing I have come thought about in the last two years is that I used to pressurize the children to go to school, do your best. Go to do your A-levels if you're going to do them, do your best. Go to university, push yourself, let us know tomorrow and make sure you've got a job at the end of it. And I've started to realise that actually slow down a little bit. You don't have to follow the norm. Do what you want to do. Take your time, but enjoy yourself, but put maximum effort into what you do. And if you take a gap year out of your uni, fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I would never have said that two years ago because it was the old fashioned way. And I think in lockdown, I spent a lot of time listening to my children talk and debate across the dinner table. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the modern world from my own children. Really interesting. It's interesting you say that because um, I wonder how much that's a change from working class to a middle class work mm. ethic as well. Because, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I grew up pretty poor and the idea of, 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 of having choices just wasn't one that I was familiar with. And I still feel that nowadays, you know, 
I agree with you about you know the, the the idea that your children should our children should grow up with with choices and not feel pressured. But at the same time, there is a pressure, isn't there? And and having choices is 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 one of the luxuries of life. Pressure is yes, absolutely, and yeah. But the pressure comes from from within and from yourself. But pressure comes from these things. He's waving That's his right. phone at me, listeners, I'm just in case you're wondering. <laughs> this is the root of all evil. <laughs> but yet the most, the handiest tool that you've got ever. So it, it's a bit of both. It's, it's how you use it. You know, I, my daughter, Jessie, she's 14. She's a great in the kitchen. She makes great breakfast. She's great at salads. She's a good little cook. She's an even better baker. But she'll never, ever, and she's never followed one of my recipes. She'll go to her phone. She'd rather follow something from Kit, I was going to say Kit Kat then, TikTok or whatever. And then it all goes wrong because she's, what she's doing is she's not reading that she's going on a phone, she's doing a bit of recipe, going back on the phone, she's doing it. And it's like, come on. And, and, and I guarantee you, I'd say seven out of 10 of those recipes don't work. But you can't tell a 14 year old girl anything, or boy, after that matter. No, indeed. <laughs> Teenagers. <laughs> Um, just finally, Marcus, I think, you know, these are, are difficult times again for, for different reasons, obviously. Um, but people really are looking for a sense of, of, of solace, you know, of comfort, because um, the news is scary. Um, and I oh. wondered uh, when it comes to comfort food, which I think is something that we can all uh, create in, in our kitchens. Um, what, what's your go to comfort food? What, what's the meal that just makes you feel like, oh, yeah, you know, this is I the think life. I, very simple, I think. I think it's going into, the, into my garden when it's in bloom. I think one of the things I really enjoy, and it's in spring or more summer, 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 late summer, summer to late summer going into the autumn, is when your greenhouse has got all of the sort of slightly overripe and not so great tomatoes. And you've got the herbs that are wilting and the basil's almost dead because it's starting to get a bit chilly. And you pick those tomatoes and you take a load of herbs and you make a beautifully warm roasted tomato vine tomato soup um on a, on a chilly september afternoon the, 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 the rain's about to come in you light a fire there's some crusty bread beautiful homemade soup of any variety is one of the most comforting warming loveliest things you can ever do and it doesn't always have to be the best ingredients either it could be food from the bottom of your fruit cupboard your salad drawer in the bottom of your fridge it's just as good well, you're absolutely right. And that thing with, with tomatoes is so important because when they look like you'd never want to eat them raw, no. they're actually perfect for roasting, aren't they? Yeah, get them in the oven, get them roasting, get a load of herbs in there, some salt, some pepper, lovely olive oil, get them roasting away. And then just a little bit of veg stock if you want, or chicken stock, blitz it up, season it. Absolutely delicious. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my program every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. 
every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.